Hi, I'm Kiki. And I'm Kemi. And you're listening to Your Advisors Will See You Now, a podcast that will help you to figure out all of your options for life after high school. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode to Your Advisors Will See You Now. My husband keeps on complaining that we say, like, Your Advisors Will See You Now. So I'm trying to say that with a little more upbeat nature. But welcome back, everyone, to another episode. If you are new here, we are talking about, well, this season, we are focusing on supporting student support staff. So this is anybody that works in higher education and even like also faculty as well. So we're just talking about a wide range of things uh, these past couple of episodes. And today we wanted to talk about uh, transferable skills. And we thought that this would be a very important episode because, you know, one, if you want to expand in higher education, you want to take a look at the current skills that you have. So we wanted to provide some tips to kind of look outside the box at what those may be, how to best identify them, and how you can apply them to different roles you're looking at. And then another thing about this is that's very important is the idea of, well, what if you want to pivot out of the higher education sector? So you're kind of looking now into, okay, well, what have I been doing that's applicable to another kind of career? So we wanted to help you with brainstorming that and helping a little bit with that. You know, I feel as though, you know, on our podcast, we talk a lot about when you're in high school, you're given this, this idea of, okay, all right, Go ahead and figure out your five-year plan, figure out where you want to go to school, figure out what your career is going to be. And along with that mindset, I think we're mostly given the mindset of, well, whatever career we pick, that's the career that we're going to be in for the rest of our lives. And for some people, that's what they that's that's true. That's the case. But for some mm-hmm. people, that's not necessarily the case. Some people do pivot and switch and change in their careers. Um, I could even think of my mother, actually. She used to work in marketing. And then for the past, how old am I? Well, I don't want to tell you how old I am, but I'll date myself. <laughs> then for the past like 31 years, she's owned her own daycare. So mm-hmm. she totally pivoted, pivoted out of that. And she hadn't had to do any marketing actually for her daycare because of where she was set up. That is possible and things are transferable and things are possible. So we wanted to talk about that in terms of people that work in higher education and mm-hmm. student support roles. But I think, too, um, I was going to say, I think, too, that this is for ourselves as well, because Kimmy and I were talking before when we were doing our research, we were, we sometimes, I know know for myself, I feel like all I I know how to do is give classes out. But the list, and we'll we'll get into transferable skills in a moment, but when I was reading through the list, I was like, wow, we do all of that every day. Like, what, you know, giving the classes is literally one small part of it, but I feel like our time is probably spent doing a lot of other things as well. We're just not thinking about it because the days are really busy probably, or they go by so quickly and we're seeing student, student, student back to back to back. And we're like, I'm just giving out classes, but that's not really true. And as I was going through the list, I was, I was thinking, wow, I do all of that. And can we, can we brought up a good point as well, that if you are looking to switch careers or looking to just grow in your career to definitely look at your job description of what you currently do, because what is listed there is what you do every day. And that, that's a great, those are great sentences or descriptions for your resume because it already gives you the action verbs and it, you know, it's giving the rest of the details as well. 
And you can, of course, build off of that. So I thought that was a great suggestion for anybody looking to, like we said, pivot out of career or just grow within higher education to look at your look at your, look at your job description as well. But I think also if you're just needing needing a little bit of encouragement or a reminder of what right. you do in your current job, go to your HR website. It's listed. It has to be listed. Look at that description as well to say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do every day. This is what I should be trying to do in my current job. I just thought about that too. I'm going to go do that tomorrow just to re- remind myself. When you're, when you even meet with someone, let's say you're at a party or having ca- casual conversation with someone and the topic of, well, what do you do for work? Usually you, you name your title and then roughly what lies along with that title. So I was previously an academic advisor. So if I was going to describe that to someone, I would say, yeah, I guide students from their journey in and out of college and make sure that academically they're able to meet all their requirements. So you Mm kind of stick to that one elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy for you to get stuck in, oh, that's all that I do. But that's definitely not the case. Like, I Mm -hmm. think a good place to start, like what Kiki said is, yes, look at your description of what your job title was and what it was given. And then still, this is going to take like time, like sit and then think about, you know, your day to day. What are some of the projects that you do and even the little things that you do in between? Because you'll find that you do so, so much more like you're doing problem solving. You're trying to navigate complex um, situations. You're trying to resolve conflicts with with different stakeholders. You're trying like you can really sit and think, yeah, I actually do do a lot of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think sometimes as human beings, we don't give ourselves a lot of credit naturally, you know. Uh, so with that, it is good to, to, t- to sit down and write things of what you do, and that's a good starting part point to list all your skills that you have. Second, I would say, think about what you want to do next. So whether you are in higher education and let's say you want to go to a director role in a different department, look at Mm. what that role is and then see where a lot of those connections are and look at that language and then see um, how that language can meet what you do Mm. or even for, um, and then also do that as well for like a career that's outside of higher education. So, for example, if you are in a student support role, you're an advisor, Mm -hmm. you could look at another job that's outside of higher education, and it's maybe like customer success. And a lot of the underlying things is the same. You're connecting with, with different people to achieve a common goal. So you just have to look at what the jargon of that company or the jargon of that career and then kind of match it in your resume. So that's why it is very important too, even though it's very exhausting to kind of, you know, t- you have to tailor your resume to the to the position that you're applying for because they're mm-hmm. going to look for those buzzwords, right? And for that jargon. And even though you're like, oh, it's still like the same, it's, it's still the same word that I'm using. No, they want to see that buzzword. So it, it is important to understand the different language for the job that you provide, you're applying for. And just notice that you do do the same thing. So use that to shine in your application. That's very true. You mentioned two elevator pitches and I just went through a leadership program, like a six week leadership program at work. And the last few weeks we had to come up with an elevator pitch, but they call something different. I'm going to, 
I'm going to link it. We're going to link the article because we're about to go through a list of transferable skills. And as always, I'll link the article for sure. I thought it was, it's a very long article, but I thought it was really, really good. And of course, we're just going to touch on a few points, but I highly recommend reading it if you're if this episode is relevant to you. But the and I also will link this video about the elevator pitch, but she has a new name for it. So it's a lady named Lisa Nichols. She calls it Snap. And SNAP is, or she calls it the power of SNAP. And it stands for super networking at accelerated pace. And so for like three weeks, we had to come up with what we do. Like you had to come up with your SNAP. So you're talking about like your role. You talk about your impact. You talk about connected, like collaborating, like finding somebody to collaborate with. And it's really, really good because it does, it, it I, at the end of the, at the end of the program, we had to do our snaps for some of our leadership at the college. And there was one, one week that we also went over the college, like mission, vision, and values. And like that connect that doing those two things helped me to be like, okay, this is what I do every day. This is why I do it. So I definitely recommend, like you mentioned, Kemi, if you're somebody that has to explain to somebody, like you're in casual conversation, you have to, you have to explain to somebody what you do doing a snap helps and like I, I have mine saved and I, I don't feel like I'm going to go around every day and be like using my snap because it's it's a minute long just tell what you do but if you are like somewhere where you have to like if you're in a job interview and you have to say what do I do in my job it's a great technique to use to just have that kind of on hand um so I'll definitely like I said link it in the show notes because I thought it was really helpful and like I say it really it reminded me Connecting it with what I do every day, connecting that to the bigger college mission. I was like, okay, that helped. That really helped a lot just to bring me back down to earth a little bit. But it's like you said, it's just good to have something like that on hand as well. Um, but like I said, it can be used in an interview. If you're changing jobs, you can use that for your new job too. I think it, that would definitely be helpful for sure if you're doing like networking somewhere as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, because then you can you can use that to kind of say, this is what I do currently. You might have to tailor it a tiny bit more depending on what you're applying for next. But I think that's if you want to. Yeah, wanna, yeah. Yeah. I think that's if you want to go deeper into more of like your editing the resume and the cover letter, then that's more deeper. But I yeah. Think that definitely is perfect for networking and giving a brief summary because you know you're talking to someone for the first time and you don't want to you know chomp your, their ear off <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah. so no but you're you're definitely right though because we we did talk about there was one of the people in my class like my cohort she worked with students and she worked with stakeholders so she was like she'd have to tailor her snap right to fit different people but you're absolutely right though you would definitely want to tailor like anything you do um just plug this i'm just gonna plug this in now you don't want to ever send a resume that has the wrong the, the wrong job title on it. And that doesn't make sense for the job you're applying for. And I know we all know this. We're all professionals. Whoever's listening to this, you can't use the same resume or cover letter for every application you submit. So no. just like you have to tailor your resume and cover letter, you would also tailor your snap. But it's just something good to have in your back pocket. But yeah, we, we hope that when we go through this list of transferable skills, that it'll help you, yeah, to tailor it. Because like you said, Kemi, when you are applying to like customer success positions, or maybe you're applying to HR, ed, ed, yeah, something. HR, like ed tech or something that's kind of out of scope of what you do, you can use a list of skills and apply it to that. 
But also, like we said, use your current job description to apply. Everything is really just literally your transferring skills. And that's, but I mean, I can't say it any other way. That's like the whole purpose of why you have to assess what you do so you can know how to use it somewhere else. But I was also going to say um, in the article too, just I wanted to like highlight this part, but it says transferable skills. You're transferring your skills to another industry or different industries. And that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. Just being able to be flexible and show your value. That's what the whole thing is about a resume, a cover letter. And then of course the interview, you want to show your value to that company. And I think I like the article talked about too, that if you're changing careers, there's something that they probably, if you're going into like HR and you're coming from student affairs, maybe you're bringing a whole new perspective to them that they've never thought of before. That, that could be because of your experience. That could be because of your creativity. That could be because you're bringing a whole new mindset. Because even with like within like a college setting, HR people aren't really working with students like we do. Exactly. They don't know what and, you're doing necessarily. Yeah, yeah, honestly, that's very true. They don't know what we're doing. There's a small set of people in HR who work with work study students, but that's really it. But yeah, for the most part, they don't know what we do as student support staff. So to be able to move into a different field and show, yeah, like bring a whole new perspective. That's what you want to highlight in an interview. That's what you want to be able to highlight on your resume, your cover letter. Because they'll be like, oh, wow, like we could definitely use that. And I think that's like the essence of like showing your value. I've, I, I've, I'm going to like, I'm going to try to think about it at the, by the end of the episode, by the time we finish. I had a question that I asked when I got hired for my current job that I remember my, my boss now. When he's interviewing me, I asked him, and he was like, that's a really good question. And I don't mean, I think I Googled it, but I was like, it is a good question to ask because it shows that you, it shows like your initiative to work for that company. Like, like you're going to come in and implement something. I have to right. was recall it the, how I phrased it. Mm-hmm. Was it that phrase where you ask, okay, if I were to be hired by your company, what are the competencies that you would measure to ensure that I'm doing this role? to it may have been that efficiency or something like yeah. that I think I've seen I've seen that question hovering around on the internet it's like you need to ask this question to be okay like to stand out for yeah <laughs> that might I, I didn't I, I didn't ask it like that but for sure that was like definitely that was professional I feel like I feel like I just asked um hmm. yeah it was like what can I or what is your what does your team need that I could help fulfill something like that. It was very simple, but I like that question you asked too. So things like that, you want to know yeah. like, what can you bring to the table because then you can address that. If they answer that question, they're like, okay, you can say, if you can answer that question, you can say, okay, well, you know, I've done X, Y, Z. I think I'd be valuable, a valuable asset in this, you know, in that part of it, or just answer the question. However you can answer the question. I know it's like during the Q and a part, but if they say we need this, if you can answer, I can do this, then that's great. It looks, that's a great look as well. Yeah, that, thank you, Kimmy. That was, that was, that was the essence of it. Yeah, no problem. And then I guess another, I'm kind of picking through this article right here because they're talking about under the bullet how to use transferable skills. Something here that they said made a lot of sense is if you're in a current role now, kind of seek out opportunities in the current role that you have now to gain other additional skills to polish your your resume mm-hmm. to so you look better for whenever you want to move on to another role or move up in whatever company or education college whatever have you 
if there's room for you to, let's say there's a project that you that wants that's about to be implemented, it's something new. Ask if you can take on the task of managing it. So there you have that flex, mm-hmm. you're flexing that skill of management. Mm-hmm. And then, or if you're not even managing the whole entire thing, say, okay, we're closing out this project. Ask, do you mind if I, you know, submit a survey to all the students or the faculty that were involved so I can get some data? And there you go, you're flexing that skill of analyzing data and using it and applying it to future projects. So that's mm-hmm. something that sparkles and shines too, especially because many companies and in general and institutions like KPIs. So that shows that, oh, they understand that there's goals and that there's some kind of measurements and how to look for measurements mm-hmm. to grasp and apply for whatever's next. So yeah, that, I like that. Those, yeah. So those are different ways that, and because sometimes maybe you're thinking, oh, like analyzing data, I don't really analyze data. Like I'm not a data analyst, business analytics, but you can still do these in small ways that are still analyzing data and you're using it to your work. Right. But so, I would say, yeah. I think we, yeah, I feel like we probably do that more than we think. Cause I yes. don't know. I know for like our, our department, our team, like our managers may say we've seen X, Y, Z students and half of them are registered. Half of them aren't something like that. That's analyzing yeah. data. And for you or us to go out and be like, okay, well, I'm going to reach the half that did not get into classes. I'm going out. So analyzing data is not just like literally the survey data or like the report data. It's like, how are you going to come to Use a it. solution for it, which is problem solving. So I feel like we, we do that more than we think every day. For sure. I, I, yeah. I mean, I feel like we probably like, um, I know, I know our college is getting a new platform that we're going to start using and we just got our caseloads assigned to us. So now we can see where different students are with their classes, with registration, blah, blah, blah. And like, we're going to have to use reports or like pull data to see how we can help those students, you know, throughout the semester. So trust us, trust me, whatever. I think we probably do it more than we, we think we do. I was going to add on to what you were saying about taking opportunities. If you can go to conferences as well. I know I got to go to a conference a few weeks ago that we, we don't get to do that very often, but I don't, I don't remember how we got invited to it, but it was really, really great. Cause it's like, I got to meet people from other colleges and hear what they do. And now they were doing it on a smaller scale. I work at a very large community college. So I, we were just like thinking like, how can we use these things? But that gave us a lot of insight so we can bring that back to our college. But if you can do, if you can go to conferences, um, I know there's Nakata and NASPA, I think are big organizations within advising and higher or student affairs. If you can do, I think you mentioned like leadership opportunities as well. If you can go through leadership programs. I know I I just said I went through a program in that program. If you can find things at your college that people hold in high regard, even if it may not seem like that much to you and somebody's like, oh, you did X, Y, Z. It's like, yeah, that's like cool to people or looks good on your resume. It looks good when you meet somebody, you know, else at the college. And it's also building your network. But if you can do leadership things at the college, if you can, like I said, go to conferences, if you can volunteer. I know Toastmasters is something that we have at our college, which is helping you, I believe, with public speaking skills. So there's a lot of things that your college probably offers that you just maybe don't know about for staff, faculty, that can help you enhance. I know we also have something called student or college senate, and that's the people of the college. It's, it's a mixture of faculty and staff that are making a lot of decisions at the college or like they'll kind of like, it's literally like the government, like they are the senate 
and they bring things to the president or like to the cabinet. But that's a great way to meet other people, to see how faculty work, how staff work. Because like you said, you know, a lot of times we don't understand what, what everybody does, but that's the setting to do it in. So I would definitely encourage other student support staff to find what your college offers so that you can build your leadership skills. Like Kimmy was saying, like if you can take on a project, because that also helps your manager probably too. They probably, they probably don't want to do a lot of stuff because they have so much other stuff to do. So yeah. if you take initiative, this is for me too, if we take initiative to say like, oh, I can do something, I can do that. I can build a team to do that. It really will help them because they trust, they do so much stuff that we probably don't even know about. But I really think there are a lot of opportunities at our colleges to utilize funding, utilize resources that we don't know about, but that can help enhance like what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think those are great, Kiki. I think those are really great just ways for people to, in their current work, kind of find ways to gain more skills. And then I don't, I don't know why I just keep on coming back to it. Like just making sure you sit down, you understand what you're doing. Cause you can also say like, oh, I did several events at my college and I write, I know it's like these little like event things here. And they're like, oh, did I really do it? And I'm like, yeah, I actually did. I looked at the budgets. I collaborated right. with other departments to make sure we had enough money. I mean, it's when you really sit down and, un and unpack all the work that you did, you really did do a lot. And and a lot of this will even match some of the descriptions for certain jobs that you're looking for. So, of course, when trying to apply your transferable skills, make sure you're applying for a job that is in the realm of your transferable skills, right? Obviously, I'm not going to apply to be a doctor if I'm just in a student support role. I need something that's within <laughs> the grasp of what I'm doing. Just because I've analyzed some light data doesn't mean I'm analyzing any scans. So make sure, obviously, the field that you're working, you want to go into outside of education, you're making sure that what you have are matches. So definitely make your list of transferable skills first. And then you can mm -hmm. even use that as a basis to brainstorm, well, what other careers can I maybe pivot into? So that could be also a start if you're thinking, I don't even know where to start if I wanted to be mm -hmm. outside of education. So that could be something that's helpful, too. Mm -hmm. You're right. Now, if you want to go be a doctor, you got to go to med school. These are things we all know. But if you want, if you want to go do that, then that's fine. But it's going to take more work. But mm -hmm. yeah, Kimmy's right. You can't just jump into the ER or the no. OR. Please don't. From, from student affairs. <laughs> right. Don't be like that guy. Remember that guy? This is a random tangent. But that kid who was a doctor, he was like 18. And he was no. like, yeah, he was. I'm not, I'm not lying. He was parading around as a doctor. For like a few years, I feel like and he, he got he got caught. Yeah, he got caught. But I don't I don't even I don't even know how that happened. So don't be like that. Don't be like that kid. Was that in the United States? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> you didn't hear about that? No, he for real. He was. I feel like I want to say his name was like. Let me. I got Google. Okay, pause in the podcast. I got to find this. And this is a random tangent, but we're trying to bring some laughter. <laughs> Doctor Lovejoy. Doctor Lovejoy. Dr. Lovejoy. Wait, was that not it? Maybe not. Maybe I lied. That wasn't it. It was something like Dr. Love. But he was like, he had his own practice. Like he had an office. He was like seeing patients. I don't know how, I don't know how it got past people for that long, but he got caught. He got arrested. I did and... hear of a similar case, but the person wasn't 18. It's just shocking that I'm like an 18 year old to be so bold, but, but I think, for anybody I think, to I think be bold anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think, he, I think it happened twice. So he may have not been. 18 the second time. Mm. Fake Dr. Kid. <laughs> yeah, this is it. 
fake doc, fake teen doctor sentence in fraud case. It's on CNN, people. So if you want to go read it, he well, was in state? Florida. Okay, cool. I just need to know if it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, Florida is like. I've seen different. him in the past. I just need to know if I see him in the past. <laughs> yeah, double check my sources. No. <laughs> but I know that was a, that was a tangent. But yeah, we we are all professionals here. So we know we we know what our limitations are. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> we know we can do <laughs> what we're capable right. of. But yes. Yeah. So let's dive into the list of transferable skills that they have here on this article that we're reading. And it says a top list for student affairs professional professionals, relatable and transferable skills include clerical skills, communication, creative thinking, critical thinking, data analysis delegation, leadership, listening, management, organization, planning, problem solving, research and analytics, teamwork, technology, and time management. Those are the key ones. They go deeper and deeper into them. But yeah, does that sound pretty correct to you, Kiki? I can definitely say for all my student support roles, this is this is definitely the basis of everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because even I mean, I feel like communication is the biggest one. That's all we do all day. And I, I can even think of so he's a he was a work study student. And it was random the other day. I, I, this is a random story. I happened to see I was like, I dropped something in the hallway or somebody dropped something in the hallway and I went to pick it up. And our the student, our work study, like, can't he like he's like, I'll come help. And I was like, what are you doing here? I haven't seen him in a long time. Mm-hmm. But he worked for and it was like two years ago. And we haven't seen him like, you know, in a little minute. But he came and he was like, I want to be an advisor. And I was like, no, you don't. Cause I just never saw that in Like, I just never thought he wanted to do that. But, um, I went into, I went and took him to my, to my boss. And I was like, look who came to visit us. And they talked for a minute and my boss came back and he was like, that just shows you all the, that just shows you the impact that you all had on him while he was here. Because mm-hmm. he, I just, I just never saw that from him because he's very, he's a very laid back person. But my boss was like, yeah, he saw like, he, he said he wanted to like, build rapport with people. That's all he, that's what he wanted to do. And he saw this as a great way to get in. I was like, wow. You just right. also, that's another like thing. You just don't know what people see when they like, cause we have a very close knit team. And I think we do like we're our department's a very well oiled machine. So I, I think that helps a lot when students come and they're, I, I, I feel like we've had several work study students or people that are like, you all have made me want to be in this environment. And I'm like, wow, you never know who's watching you, but it just, you know, communication is a big thing. Like how we talk to even our work study students and yeah. like they're going through school and some of them don't know what they want to do when they finish. But to see people like what we do every day, we come up there, we talk to people, we help them, we give them resources. That's literally the basis of what we do. So I feel like a lot of time, like I was saying at the beginning, I feel like all I do is talk to people all day. Like mm-hmm. that's what we do. But within there, like the skills can be that you mentioned, we are having a critical think, use critical thinking skills. Because some students come in there and have no even, clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I can even break it down even more for you for communication too, like just flat before even like decision making and problem solving. Like communication is up. We do communication through emails all the time. If we're giving presentations, yeah. we're public speaking. Like we don't really mm-hmm. think, when I think of public speaking, I think of someone giving like a speech, you know what I mean? But we are giving uh, presentations. That's public speaking. Mm-hmm. If you are uh, 
doing your emails, if you're doing right. communications through social media, that is still a form of communication because mm-hmm. you're trying to be effective, an effective communicator and reaching your, whether it be your students, your faculty, you're trying to reach your target audience. So that's still a large part that sometimes we just think it's just part of the job, but no, that is a transferable, highly sought after skill. You're messaging, mm-hmm. you're finding an intent, you're trying to have an intended action underneath it. So even with that, when you really sit down to kind of break that down, it's a lot and that you can put in your resume and you can see in different jobs that are posting. Mm-hmm. So. That's really, that's, that's true. We do even, this is applicable. So we say like all student support staff, I'm thinking of if you are somebody in service learning or you're in student engagement, student life, the, like you all do this all day, every day, like you're communicating, like Kimmy said, you're probably using social media. You're probably making posters. I know Kemi has become our like marketing guru in the last. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I'll just yes. say social media coordinator, social. No, content no, no, I am not. I'm not a marketer yet. <laughs> not yet. But if you if y'all go on our Instagram page, y'all see that like Kemi makes really good posts, and she uses Canva. Shout out Canva if you want to help us sponsor us. Right. <laughs> But no, Kemi, like, even just like through this, like you've gained that skill mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And I've dabbled in it. I'm like learning, but I feel like Kemi does like a really good job of like the color coordinating and things that we probably never thought we did. So like making yeah. flyers. No, you do really good. She does a great job, like making flyers. So I know a lot of us do that for holding events. Um, I know the other day I helped one of my friends at work. She was holding, hosting a um, a graduation party for her international students. Like I was like, I was like, y'all are event planners. You know, there's, yeah. there's so much that we do having to call facilities, having to order food, mm-hmm. literally putting a program together. I'm sure all of us have done that at some point. And you, you, I'm just thinking back to my time when I worked at Elon, like talk about budgeting. Like I was dealing with budgets as a fresh out of college. I was like, y'all, y'all really want me to do this? Like handle thousands of dollars. But yeah, yeah, I was sitting, I was sitting there and like helping organizations. If y'all needed money, I was like, okay, here's your thousand dollars for this project. You know, um, advising student groups. There's so much that we do. I'm just like, I think we're both kind of like naming things that a yeah. lot of us do in our day to day work that you kind of forget. So I think you mentioned it before, like literally just writing stuff down when you do it. Yeah, helps so you. Do you know, you- will stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to even go down this list that we, so it has like the list of transferable skills that we named and then also breaks it down a little bit more. Should we mm-hmm. just briefly break down each, each, each one mm-hmm. so we can have yeah. to brainstorm a little bit more and just enlighten them as to, oh, okay, I do do this. Yeah, I do right. do this. So maybe we yeah, can for sure. help our audience a little bit. So uh, the first one was, I already did communication. We talked about earlier, like the emails, presentations. And then clerical skills. Clerical skills, I feel like that's the easiest one to really mm-hmm. think of when you write down. It's kind of the most understandable one to brainstorm. Obviously, you're using your computer, fax, phone, making copies. So that's kind of, that one's I think is the easiest to write down on a resume because you know specifically bare minimum what that looks like. Mm-hmm. The other one on here is creative thinking. So creative thinking skills require student affairs professionals to indicate how different experiences domains and disciplines affect and influence problem solving. Many student affairs professionals will need to work with limited resources, yes, sir, in order to solve an (laughs) issue in that case. 
The ability to think and act creatively is critical pr- for pro- solving problems that cannot be answered with data and analytics alone, which is which is I think is very important in higher education because I feel as though sometimes in student support roles there's a lot of qualitative measurements, not necessarily quantitative. So for example, I worked at a other job and you could just kind of sense like by some of the students' attitudes that there was just a lack of morale. There wasn't really much to look forward to other than get to class, get to moving. Mm-hmm. And so then talking about limited resources, we were like, well, we don't really have much of a student affairs budget. What can we do? So to think creatively, this is when I worked at a technical college, we connected with the education department and said, do we have any extra like um, tools that students would want, like wrenches, um, all that jazz. I don't know. Um, cool, <laughs> cool stuff that they can use to work on their car. They gave us a bunch of really nice secondhand stuff. And then we thought, okay, well, let's use this to have a bingo. And then that, mm-hmm. that engaged students to feel more connected to campus because there was something fun in addition to just academics and something mm-hmm. to look forward to. And it also allowed them to connect with some faculty that were there and connect with other fellow students versus just the classroom. So we do do a lot of creative thinking um, in higher ed, especially for certain colleges that a lot of places get budgeting for it too. So, mm-hmm. it, which I think is sad in some cases, because I know in my other, other job, um, we didn't have it, but it really did stretch that creative skills muscle to be mm-hmm. as creative as possible. Mm-hmm. So, but that's definitely a skill that's needed in higher ed is creative thinking. Mm-hmm. I was going to say too, like to jump off that really quickly, if your department, like you mentioned, like has limited resources, I know typically like, advising doesn't get like a whole lot of funding depending on your school. But I know at my institution, we don't get a whole lot of money to do events. So one day my coworkers and I were like, let's go talk to student life and see what they're doing. You can literally hop on somebody's event. You can yeah. say like, it's going to be advising on the quad. But you know, student life, student engagement has a lot of funding. They have, they can get drinks, they can get food. Hop on that, and that also exposes your department too. So that's a part yes. of cross collaboration. How to utilize right cross collaboration? Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just stretching your creative muscle. Then I remember when I went to my job afterwards, and we had a killer budget, and I was like, I was like, yeah, we can have this event. Maybe order pizza. They were like, we can get tacos and Chinese. Food. I was like, <laughs> and Chinese. But I was right. like, we got a budget? Like, we got a budget? Right, yeah. <laughs> so I then <laughs> I was able to just soar and just think, of, yeah, we could do this. We could do this. Yeah, let's do this. Posters, yes, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the critical thinking one, Kiki? Yeah, so critical thinking, I, just from reading, so I just looked up critical thinking, but it says the objective analysis and evaluation of an issue in order to form a judgment. But looking at another kind of definition of it, I feel like um, critical thinking and data analysis go hand in hand. So we'll get to data analysis in a minute. But critical thinking is like the result of data analysis. So what we, we, we mentioned before, if you get a set of data or you look at a report, being able to use your critical thinking skills to say, like, how can we come to a resolution or come yeah. to a just open up a project based on what we've read in this data is critical thinking. And I feel like a lot of us use that every single day. Um, yeah. I feel like that also goes hand in hand with problem solving as well, but we'll get to that one more specifically. But it really just says that critical thinking is a hallmark of liberal arts education. It really is. I think if you think back to your undergraduate, you probably did some type, some type of like psychology class or philosophy class or a critical thinking class. It's literally, I feel like everyone should take that or something in that field or read about it because it does help us to engage just in how we can 
use data, use what we see like every day and be able to form a judgment on it and come to a solution. So that's critical thinking. The next one, like I mentioned, data analysis. It says it isn't thought of enough in higher education or for student affairs professionals. And it's true. Sometimes you do have to seek out the data because I think we probably use our platforms every day and just run through stuff. Um, But most, if not all colleges have some type of institutional research department. So if you really, if you're, you know, really want to see the data, you can, of course, ask your supervisors, but institutional research or whatever you may call it on your, at your institution literally has all of the data that you would ever think they have. So if you want to dig in more and see like what your students are doing or what's happening in this program, you can always utilize them to find that data and analyze it yourself as well. And they're they're also there to help you do that. Yeah. I would even add to like something that I'm like just kind of realizing now, because it says, Obviously, data analysis can include surveys, reports, interviews, statistical Mm -hmm. information, and financial statements. So when I think of interviews, when you're coming into a, a student is coming into your office, that's literally an interview. So if, like, what I know what I would do is if I had several students come into my office complaining about one particular course, Mm -hmm. then I was like, okay, I need to make an informed decision and Mm -hmm. talk to the dean and maybe talk with a prof- and then they'll speak with a professor to see is this accurate is this true can something be changed with this mm-hmm. so even that is a bit of data to make an informed decision even mm-hmm. though it's not specific in number it's still qualitative so that still is a little bit of it even though it's not you know you know um the more formal data analytics um mm-hmm. like you say, so it's, it's still that's still data though mm-hmm. yeah and just to make like a to make a better decision or even I remember during the beginning of the pandemic, I like sent out a survey for students for like registration information. And then I also included, okay, who's going to be on campus? Who's not sure if they're going to be on campus? Mm -hmm. And then we use this information to make an informed decision of should we have an online orientation or an in-person orientation? Mm -hmm. Should we have some student activities over the weekend if it looks like most of the students will be here on this weekend versus the next weekend. Should we have another event two weeks later? If it's looking like the student population isn't currently here, but they will be here. Mm-hmm. So you are getting some sort of data and you are applying it and using it. So it, it, I think we do do that a lot more than we think. Mm-hmm. I think because uh, sometimes we're it's just so normalized for us to pull a report. We're like, that's data, you know? Mm-hmm. And But it can be looked at in other ways too. And I think it's easily overlooked in student support sometimes. Yeah. Like you said, data is quantitative, but yeah, it's also qualitative. And that the qualitative part is just the word of mouth. So I also think too, like we are the ones on the ground. Like we of course have our leadership and they make the bigger decisions. But if we want to make impact in our little small subset of students or like our small area, like you said, can be talking to students, having focus groups, or if we're, you know, if you're able to do that, but the students are the ones telling us stuff. They don't tell people higher than us most of the time because right, we're like time. we're like the yeah we're like the front of the line for a lot. Like if it's advisors, financial aid. Sometimes students just come in and whoever they see first is who they tell something to. So and if we keep hearing it, or if you know if someone says like my entire class is saying, then you know we of course point them to the resource. But we're the ones that heard that. We can we kind of have the power to say like, okay, well, I, I can go, like you said, I can go to the dean for you. I can go to the 
vice president for you and just send this on your behalf. Cause we're the ones that are for the most part hearing if there is a complaint or if there's something positive that a student was like, this really worked. I really, you know, this really helped me. We can, we can say that too, so that we can help our college change things or change things for the better, or, you know, something didn't go right. Nix it all together. So I think that's a really good point to make yeah. that you said interviews too. Thanks. Do you want to do yeah. the next one or do you want me to do yeah. it? You can do it. Okay. So I delegation, uh, delegation. So obviously you're like, have I really commanded anybody to really do anything? You can look at it from how it says here. Delegating becomes an increasingly necessary part of professional life as individuals may no longer be the best person to accomplish a particular task. So if you ever reflect back to a moment where you thought, hey, like you have different coworkers that have different strengths and you're mm-hmm. have, let's say you're creating a project and I'm like, I'm not great with printing the flyers and working with IT, understanding how that works. I mm-hmm. may talk to my other coworker and say, hey, do you mind heading that up? You do a lot of communication. Can you do the communication for this event that we're having? Or another way of delegation is also, let's say you have like a, like a, 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 what's the term? A TA, like a teacher's assistant or like a GA graduate assistant or someone, someone who's like a student assistant, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get like all the acronyms for it, (laughs) Um, but you're like delegating them to do certain tasks. So that is still delegation in itself. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we can see delegation as only your supervisor giving you the delegation, but there are times that you're delegating yourself as well. So that's something to think outside of the box mm-hmm. that, you, that you do. And another one is leadership. We all know what leadership is. You can, it's a lot about being a doer. You can certainly be well accomplished, but at one point in your career, you'll have to put aside what you can do and instead focus on what everyone should be doing right now. This is what I'm quoting in the in the article right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's saying that's a critical conclusion for student affairs work and one that can be applied outside of the field. So always taking leadership in the office, taking initiative. I always say I always say like a large part of leadership too is like kind of being proactive too, you know, mm-hmm. and um, how to think of the overall benefit of like your community, what can aid in your community and taking up like that charge. Mm-hmm. Very true. Do you want, do you yeah. want to do mm-hmm. listening and management? So, yeah. So the next one, um, I'll read the listening to the, the last sentence because I think it encompasses all of this, but listening is about being attentive enough to gather all of the information that you need to review data analysis so that you can make an informed decision leadership. And I think, yeah, we listen to students or anybody that comes into our office or in our space all day. But I think a key point is active listening. So what it said here, like being attentive to be a, being attentive enough to gather all the information. We know people come in and they say a lot of stuff. Sometimes it's not things that you can ha- handle or like it's not always relevant to like that moment. But we, as I said before, like we're kind of the first point of contact for a lot of students. So they're just going to come and spill whatever they need to spill that day. And that's fine. But like, how can we learn to become active listeners so that we can take what they're telling us and come to a resolution to help them in that moment? So I know I, I have on my desk, like a post-it note that says, listen actively. Cause I know I'm guilty of somebody, you know, student comes in and they're like, saying something and I want to immediately say, no, that's not right. Or like cut them off because I'm like, 
before you even go down that tangent or before you even go down that trail, let me stop you right there. Some days I do have to do that, but sometimes I like, you gotta have to like read the room. Some days you have to just like see the state of the student and just figure out like, you're going to let them talk. And when it's time for me to talk, I will bring it back to the relevant conversation. Um, or if I see, you know, somebody is coming in there who's always, who's a repeat student. And I know you've heard this before. I'm just going to say, no, I know you already know. I, I've talked to you about this. So that's what act, I think active listening to is like figuring out, reading the room, figuring out what needs to be said so that we can help the student get to the solution that they came in for that day. Yeah. And then with management, it says it's often grouped in with leadership. We, of course, know that. But it says management is about the nuts and bolts of business, institutional and office processes. I think it's, I like this part, too. It says skilled managers can replicate established processes to provide predictable outcomes. So I think really, in essence, it's saying that a manager is able to see what's working and what's not working. And we, as I mentioned before, we're the ones on the ground. We're the ones that do this every day. So sometimes our managers get a information from the top. Yeah. yeah. But they're the ones that get stuff from the top. And they're like, they're, they're the ones that are being told to tell us what to do. But it's from the top down, as most things are. But yeah, they see, like you said, a little picture because they're not always involved with every student like we are. So if we can come to our manager, I know we have meetings, we have weekly meetings with our staff. We're the ones our managers are asking, like, okay, how is that working? What's that doing? So even though they have the title of manager, we as student support staff are the are also using management skills because we can know how to tweak something is that's the word they're using here. We can we know how to tweak stuff if it's not working, or we know how to, you know, if it's something's working, we know how to like build onto it. So I think that's something we don't like we like I think you said before, Kemi, like we think of leadership leadership just for our managers, but we all have that within us as well. If you go if you go to work every day and you work your eight to five or whatever, or you're on your remote job every day, you are using management skills because a lot of jobs want you to be a self-starter. No one's really micromanaging you a lot of the time. Sometimes they are, most jobs are not. So they're wanting you to be able to direct yourself, lead and guide yourself. And I think that's literally what management is. So we all use it every day without that really thinking about it. Yeah. This next one for organization, I'm just going to read it because I think it's very well uh, written. Organization is often a misunderstood transferable skill as it requires a good a good deal of personal input and application. Organization is the ability to articulate and segment your own thoughts, processes, priorities in a way that is actionable by you and others. Being organized isn't merely about putting all emails in the right folder. It's more about the ability to think and act quickly and expediently because what you need is where you need it. And I've I I think if you work in student services, you gotta <laughs> you gotta <laughs> be organized if you want to float, or you're gonna sink. And I think <laughs> I know I use like a lot of forecasting in my previous role, and it helped so much, so so much with like the processes. Like I made processes on top of another process and just informed decisions based off of that. So yeah. I am pretty sure everybody flexes that muscle in mm -hmm. student support for sure, for sure. And then another transferable skill to kind of unpack that more for you to think is planning. Uh, planning does not require the input and application of a few other transfer 
does require the input and application of a few other transferable skills, such as data analysis, communication, leadership, and management. While plans might, not off- might often fall apart when structures and outcomes change, the act of planning is an invaluable transferable skill to have. So planning, you could think about any projects that you plan, any events mm-hmm. that you plan, any processes that you plan and you, you rolled out. So that's all planning. Um, I know I did a lot of planning because I, I helped with the, the scheduling portion. So that was a lot mm-hmm. of epic planning and planning before mm-hmm. registration. So it was always, mm-hmm. all right, let's keep going. Plan, 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 plan. So that's something that you're actively doing. Mm-hmm. Very true. So the next one, I think we kind of mentioned it softly, but problem solving. I'll just read this. I think it's good. But problem solving and just being able to act quickly, think creatively. I just like this line here. It says problem solving is often sought after by other industries because skilled professionals with this transferable skill can act despite incomplete information in order to resolve an issue. So like I said, when students come in and they give you a part of a story, we have to like learn how to dig. For something, you know, what is like, what's the problem and how can I help you? So I like that line a lot. I think that's really the essence of problem solving. And we all do that every day for sure. We've briefly touched on um, analytics and research as well, going into data. Um, like I mentioned, just encouraging student support staff. If you want to know what's going on with our students in a like more cohesive way or in a data, data way, then yeah, you can go to your college's institutional research department or whatever it's called there to be able to pull those numbers, which are which could actually not just numbers that we also mentioned. It can be quantitative or qualitative data too. So probably the biggest one if you work in student affairs, teamwork. We do this every single day. I, I'm sure a lot of times we think like I'm doing this independently, but I can use for example my department. We've merged three different departments in the last four or five months. And so we're all bringing like different skill sets. So I've had to like my team, my former team, or sorry, we were a small team before, now we're a bigger team, but like where I worked before in that one like specific area, we've, ha- we've now had to learn like other skills that the other advisors knew that we weren't necessarily comfortable doing. So, and I feel, I feel like we're all having to shift and learn things that the other advisors didn't know. Like for, for my team, we, well, we work with new students a lot. And they're all having to learn to work with new students now. So what I literally use teamwork every day, I, we all use teamwork every day, but me having to go ask, like go down the hall, ask questions, like, can you make sure that I'm, the students graduating on like graduating, please just check it for me. Me like learning how to use, use our different platforms properly to make sure a student is on track for things. So teamwork is something that we use every day. If you're asking questions of your team, if you're planning with your team, literally just collaboration is teamwork. If you're collaborating, I think you mentioned the word cross-collaboration, working with other departments, it's all teamwork. And we're all at a college for a common purpose. That's for the students. So we're all in essence, a team every single day. But of course, teamwork can be bigger and it can be smaller scale too, just within your department. Yeah. And I can do the last two on here and then we can kind of wrap up a bit. The We have technology skills. So I am not, it's funny because I wouldn't think to put technology skill on my resume. My husband would say not to put that on there, <laughs> but, <laughs> but looking on, on here, the description, it says technology skills are also understanding technology applications and platforms. 
So I know like me and Kiki, we talk about it all the time. There's different platforms that we use mm-hmm. for like, our, our records. So sometimes depending on your institution, you might have a specific uh, record keeping that does like auditing. Like I use Banner. I use like a certain specific CRM called Smart. I've used uh, Slate. There's so many different kinds of platforms that you that you use for record keeping as well. So you can mm-hmm. put that down as well. I know there's like a popular one out there that's SAS. There's SIS and LMS. So that is a large part of higher education as well. So you can think of it in that realm instead of just, you know, IT support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then and then also, too, like Moodle, Blackboard, if you know how to utilize those platforms, those are really important as well. Right. And then most importantly, the last transferable skill here is time management. And we all know what time management essentially is. I feel like that one's kind of easy to to understand and implement in a resume. And it's just organizing priorities and responsibilities around like a set time frame, a frame establishing timelines, and you're kind of allocating your focus where it needs to be and your energy in order to produce the most amount of given, um, given work, or especially knowing how to divvy up your time when you have limited resources or limited time. That's how you mm-hmm. can effectively manage and do your time management effectively. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So and we didn't mention when the article came from Job Hacker and we'll like I said, we'll always post it in the um show notes. So please make sure I would definitely encourage anyone listening to this. If you if you made it through the whole entire episode, thank you for listening to the whole thing. We hope this is helpful. I feel like I'm learning a lot as we're talking through this too. But I would definitely recommend reading through the whole article because I think it really is really beneficial uh before we before we leave out if you are in higher education and you're thinking about pivoting outside of the realm of higher education there is a facebook group online it's called expatriates of student affairs Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people there's some resources in there to kind of uh, increase like your thought like your thought process of like where can i kind of pivot a pivot out you know and there are people that give like informative information about their experiences and where they worked in higher ed, where they're thinking of going, and even also just presents some encouragement for those people who think, oh man, I've been in education for X amount of years. Is it really possible for me? So you can kind of get some enlightenment from that. So that's on a Facebook group too, if you if you are looking into exiting uh, the realm of higher education. Kemi mentioned LMS, which are like learning management systems. Just keep in mind when you're applying to jobs and it may say there's that, that program is like specific to that college. Look up what that is. And if you use something similar at your college, put that on there. Just say I use XYZ at my college. I know my college, we use colleague, which is similar to banner, which is similar to whatever, you know, so it's, they're using what they use at their college. You can say like, I use that. I use something similar to that and I can still do the same thing. So just know every college has different platforms. Now, I was finally going to say, just plug, so we talked, or Kemi ended the last transferable skill with time management. So we're about to record an episode, a relevant ramble about productivity tools. So it's coming out after this episode airs. So definitely check that one out if you, you know, use certain, if you need help with like figuring out what tools to use to manage your day, that's what we're going to be going through in that relevant ramble. So please stay tuned. It won't be long. It won't be as long as this one. But um, hopefully this was hopefully this was very helpful to somebody out there that is looking to either grow within their job, looking to move out of higher education. I thought it was very helpful. So <laughs> it's helpful for me. But yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please make sure to share the podcast, review the podcast, 
reviewing, I believe, helps the podcast get like when people search for something, they'll yeah. see it at the top. So make sure to do that, please. And if you feel like this episode helped you, Kemi's doing a little money dance over there. <laughs> if, you feel like, if you feel like this podcast has helped you in any way that you've been blessed by it, that you've been educated through it, please, we would just say, please make sure to show it. Or please, if you feel led, I won't say make sure. If you feel led, show us some love monetarily. Our Venmo is in the show notes. Is in the show notes. So yeah, in, in, if, if you don't help us monetarily, we are cool with that. Sharing, liking really helps us out too. We appreciate everyone's support through all of this. I think we, I don't know if we announced it before, but we've been doing this for like over six months now. Yeah. So for those that have stuck around, for those that have joined us throughout the six months, we really appreciate everybody. You all are awesome. And we are thankful for our little community that we don't know who you are yet, but we're thankful for you. <laughs> we still, we still don't know who you are, but yeah, we'll close out the episode. All right. Y'all we'll see you in the next one. See ya. Bye. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages and check out our website. Take a look at the show notes below. And please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Also show us some love and please leave a five-star review. Catch you next time. See ya.